0: Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of 1 Corinthians. Thank you for chapter 15 in particular. Thank you for all we've learned about the gospel, about the resurrection, about the importance of the resurrection. And I thank you that even as we bring that chapter to a close today, I pray that there is wisdom i pray that there is clarity i pray that the truth of your word shines bright in our hearts and that we are able to live every day in view of what you've done and the hope that we have in jesus name amen 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 i said we'll bring it to a close in prayer so that means i am bound by the spirit to complete this chapter today <laughs> uh, but hi everyone hope you're doing well um like i said welcome to part first Corinthians part 26 we will not reach part 30 because <laughs> we only have one chapter left and that chapter is pretty simple so maybe just next week, oh no the week after okay so announcements we're not going to meet next week um i'll be out of town so we're going to meet the week after which would be october 8th not october 1st so tentatively October 8th are bringing an end officially to first Corinthians I did look through the podcast uh, reels and I or whatever list of episodes and we started in March we started first Corinthians in March so I don't know how many months that is but that is the better the most part ah uh, what is out of town I am 70 plus I'm a millennial that's how we say it in our generation I'll be out of town. <laughs> um what am i saying yes we started in march so that's a couple months and i hope i hope that uh all that we've talked about you remember if i ask you and what is paul trying to say in first Corinthians 5 you say oh i remember isn't that when he talked about sexual immorality i said this is what he was trying to say this is someone says bookie where does marriage what should i think about marriage should i divorce or not You say ah calm down let's go through first corinthians 7 if someone should say amaka should i speak in tongues in church or not you say ah let's go to first corinthians 14 and talk about it so all that to say hi boy good morning it's good to see you that's we've said it we've talked about a lot of things in first corinthians which is the nature of the book and uh, of course, I'm teasing, right? So I don't necessarily expect everything to just land. If it has, that's amazing. I thank God for you. But feel free to. Oh, awesome, that's a star for you. <laughs> but feel free to 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 go back and listen when next you read the book of First Corinthians in your own personal study. Feel free to play back some of the teachings we've gone through. And just keep it in mind, right? Like, let the word of God, like Paul said, dwell in you richly. Amen. So, for the past two weeks, we've been on the resurrection. So, resurrection part one, resurrection part two, and finally, when resurrection part three. Uh, we're just going to go straight into it from verse 35. That's where we currently are. We've talked about the gospel. We've talked about the role the resurrection plays in the gospel and how important that singular fact that Jesus bodily rose from the dead how important it is to our faith we've talked about the implications of there not being a resurrection and how christianity becomes reduced to a mere moral uh, teaching no better than uh, socrates gandhi and the likes right and how important the resurrection is to us as believers how it shapes our minds so we've talked about all of that today we're just gonna bring uh wrap that conversation up by talking about the body of the how the resurrection will actually happen to an extent right what does it look like and all of that um so yeah um at this point get your Bibles get your writing materials get your notepads and let's start hi Shay. hi fair Happy birthday in Arias to Ife and Anne. <laughs> I don't normally do this, but let me let me call the both of them out. Happy birthday, guys. Hope you had a great birthday over the past week. Love you all. <laughs> all right. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. Let's get right into it. As usual, I'm reading from the NKJV. Don't ask me why. I just like... The end. <laughs> As a book, is it should be how much did they pay? Because I don't think I've done that. Well, oh well. Um, verse 35. It says, But someone will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? And I love when Paul writes because he takes a very I can't think of another word, but argumentative style in which he's trying to use reason to make you arrive at a sensible, at a logical conclusion, right? And one of the things he usually does is he anticipates questions that the readers or the audience or the listeners, more accurately, the listeners, because like we said, this letter will be carried to that synagogue and then they will read it in front of everyone, right? So it was listened to. but. He anticipates that oh if you're following all i'm saying then you'd have questions in your mind as pertaining to this as pertaining to that as pertaining to this and so for instance when he first started with the resurrection he talked about oh if there's no resurrection then that means christ did not rise from the dead if christ didn't rise from the dead then there's a problem and now again after showing how important or the fact that since jesus rose we will rise. So we will rose. <laughs> Since Jesus rose, we will rise as well. well um, and then he's like, okay, even if you get that, a doubt that could still be in your mind is how exactly will dead people rise again? I mean, some of these people have been dead for thousands of years. Some of these people were burned alive. That's why it says, not only how would they rise, with what body would they come Some of these people were thrown into the ocean and they were eaten by fishes and parasites. Like there's nothing. The dead decay and the open; is literally just bones. With what body will they come? How are the dead raised? And with what body will they come with? And so all Paul is doing from now downwards is to simply answer that question oh yes yeah, some people might have been grounded to death i don't know if they grinded anyone to death in that time some might have been beheaded their bodies dismembered and thrown into different places some were burned some maybe they had the privilege even buried whole but the question there is how will this work and how would people look like in the resurrection again this is in a very deeply naturalistic greek philosophy greek world where just like i told you guys to read last week in act 17 they're like what do you mean resurrection what do you mean uh, 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 what kind of have you ever seen anyone rise from the dead what do you mean we'll just get up as from uh, are we zombies or what are you talking about right um like paul would say in the earlier part of First Corinthians, it says it's foolishness to the gentiles it's foolishness to many people still today that you're telling them that after you die some maybe it's 100 years maybe another thousand years that when jesus returns it doesn't matter you will just come back and you will be yourself you would have your memories you i'm like and people are like okay that's crazy but like I said, maybe two episodes ago or two teachings ago, one teaching ago, if Jesus rose from the dead, again, the answer is in what Jesus was from the dead. I, like I said last week, every answer you need is in Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus really rose from the dead, then it says definitively that there is a supernatural world out there that goes beyond the laws of the physical. And, I, and for many theistic cultures, this would not be new because the very idea of you believing in a God shows that you believe that from non-material came every material thing you can't see. Kind of like in Hebrews, it says that the things that we see were created from the things that we do not see. If already there is a supernatural being that could just speak and the entire solar system, the galaxies, the universe was created, then it goes without saying that there is more than meets the eye. Literally. It goes without saying that we live in a world where there are still supernatural forces at work, that physics, biology, chemistry would never be able to fully grasp because it already transcends that reality. And so while yes, if a bodily resurrection might not make physical or rather might not make natural sense. That is the point. It begs you to realize that the world isn't entirely natural that the world we live in isn't entirely natural there are supernatural forces at work that affect even till this moment the natural flow of affairs there are supernatural forces at work even in the hearts and the minds of men and women that still affect how history plays out how we we create the world around us you say oh why is the world full of so much violence, so much pain, so much this? There's more than meets the eye, at least if you submit to a theistic worldview, in case you don't know what that means, it simply means a worldview where you believe that there is a God, right? It shows that there is more than meets the eye, you must think with that perspective. In your conversations with unbelievers or with naturalists, people that simply believe in the physical realize that you guys are coming from two very different vantage points and so how you interpret who we are why we are here what we are here to do where we are going or in the words of of dr ravi origin meaning morality destiny purpose those five questions it will be very very different very very different And let that mindset shape the way you live your life every single day. Remember one of the key verses we talked about last week. If indeed the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. If indeed the dead do not rise, I should not be going out after this. In fact, I should not be teaching, first of all. And I should not be going out for evangelism right after. It's a waste of my Saturday. I might as well just go for brunch with co-workers go to watch a game after and end up at the bar in the night that is a well spent saturday if indeed the dead do not rise all right so it shapes everything it shapes everything it shapes everything amen all right verse 35 but someone will say how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come and Paul does not mind words here in verse 36 foolish one (laughs) paul is so quick; he learned it from jesus (laughs) foolish one what you sow is not made alive until it dies and all of a sudden he starts to use the analogy of agriculture right verse let me read verse 36 and verse 37 and what you sow you do not sow what body that shall be but mere grain perhaps wheat or some other grain and he's saying that even nature has something similar that you shouldn't be doubting it with humans and what he's simply saying i don't know if you guys did uh uh, was the course i think it was just science in primary school elementary science i think that's yes elementary science in primary school and one of our projects pretty much everyone i knew was to plant beans you take a, a bean Seed and you put it in the ground when we're learning loamy soil, humus soil, uh, what else? Sandy soil, rocky soil. Oh, you guys did corn, okay. I think I did corn in secondary school, yes. I think I did corn, yes, you're right, yeah. And then I did beans in primary school, and I think I did again in secondary school where you take that tin, uh, for in Nigeria, you take pig milk tin or milo, uh, tin, you empty it, you rinse it, you put holes at the bottom with your knife then you put soil then you now put the beans and then you water it and then if you're a kid like me you just go ah what's happening what's happening the next day nothing and then maybe by day three day four you start to see something come out and then it starts to grow How what I'm about to say it's transparent I like that but I, I mean I always put the seed in the middle I should have put it at the edge so I would have seen it that's so cool and then you, you start to see the stem starts to break off it's white at first and then it becomes green and then it keeps growing and then leaves start to come that's how far mine went it never made it so much I never lasted beyond a few days and then I gave up on it but the point is as in (laughs) and then it dies project are finished (laughs) Uh, the point is um, when you put it first of all in that figurative sense until you could have cooked the beans and you could have eaten it. It will not become a bean plant or corn. You could have eaten it. But the moment you put it in the soil and water, it is in a sense likened to, like what Paul says, it's not made alive until it dies. So there's that analogy that from the ground or from death can come even greater life. Such that as you put it in the ground, and then after a couple days, what starts to come? How can you look at a beanstalk or some of this like a fig tree or an acorn, and you see the seed and you see the tree, and you're like, how does this that was sown into the ground become this body? There's nothing necessarily hard in, let's say, a corn, but the stem, like the stem of the corn, the leaves. In fact, it produces even more corns. How is, how does that work? How does that work? It's... Fortunately, I know that. It's corn! I can't remember the other night. It's corn, right? It's corn. And... um, How does that body get changed into something else? And that's what Paul is saying, that even nature even nature shows us that <laughs> that when something is sown in the ground, it can completely change to something else. In fact, many times what comes out has no resemblance to what it is, unless it's potato. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, uh, it has no resemblance to what starts to grow until the fruits start to show. And you're like, one seed, one seed one seed and Paul is using the analogy to say the same way with the human body if God, again, remember I told you, in a theistic worldview, it's that God designed the world that way if God has shown us that from a seed can come an entirely different kind of thing a whole tree with fruits and everything how much more the human body why can't the human body be sown in the ground and emerge something completely different and that's why it says, foolish one because you already recognize how in natural plants, the, the the mechanism by which they can grow into something different is already there why is it so hard for you to then believe it in the human and of course it's not a match for match like the seed doesn't necessarily really Die in that sense as the human body dies and all of that. But Paul is using the analogy that if God can do that with a plant, think of what God can do with the human soul or with the human body. That's his analogy, and that's why he goes on. It says in verse 38: God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed, its own body, to each seed is its own body. So the same way you could look at the human body and like there's nothing in my human body that would that, that would closely resemble a resurrected glorious body, but like Paul says, foolish one, God gives every seed its body. God gives every seed its body. It says all flesh, verse 39, is not the same flesh, obviously. There is one kind of flesh. And of course, when you are reading this, some people are like, no, I have learned that through genetic blah, 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 this and this happens and that's why it is. Paul is not discussing medical science or genetic biology or molecular, whatever. He's simply using analogies to drive home a point that God can resurrect the human body. That's all he's trying to do. So before you say, ah, no, it's not different kind of flesh. What is Paul saying? The Bible is wrong. Calm down. It's an analogy based on how they understand the world around them at that point in time, right? So it says there's one kind of flesh, a flesh of men, a flesh of animals, another of fish, another of birds. So it's pretty much, oh, birds have feathers, right? I remember the first time I saw a chicken without feathers. I was scared. <laughs> I was I was frightened beyond belief. It says fish have skills, right? Men. Or animals have fur. Human beings have just hairless skin. (laughs) It says they're also celestial bodies, right? In that sense, because of how the solar system, the sun, the moon, they were seen as glorious celestial bodies. And like, oh, you see the sun and it's bright and radiant, that's its own body. Or you see the moon and it's shiny, that's its own body. And like it says, the glory of the celestial is one the glory of the terrestrial is one. You don't look at the sun the same way you look at, well, in our love letters we do. You see, you are, you are the sun in my life. So you are the only source of brightness out there. <laughs> to me, uh, you make my whole world come alive. But ideally, in an ideal world, <laughs> in an ideal world, you don't look exactly, you shine, God bless you. I can't remember the lines. I don't, you shine like a morning star. What other that one? Uh, what are you? <laughs> What lines have they used on you? <laughs> what lines have they used on you? Um, but you get the point. You don't look at the sun and you can't even look at it directly. You might, your eyes will hurt or something. You have to use sunglasses. I'm like, oh, wow, babe, are you from here because you... What's that thing? Did you fall to the ground? Did you hurt? And did you hurt when you fell from heaven or something like that? It's a lie. Is your name shaking now because you are drooping glory? That is a theology student. I will run away from him. <laughs> um, Shekinah, rather. Um, that was even blasphemy. A whole person is She Shekinah of God. You should run away from such a human being. <laughs> that is one that you have lost. Lose God. Um, anyways. <laughs> uh, are you a photographer because I pictures together? Mm-hmm. Are you from Tennessee? are the only 10 I see. Do people actually like these lines i i uh i want to i want to, you guys girls talk to me talk to me let me take notes do you guys like it when people drop lines <laughs> they say you don't wow really i just says it depends on who's saying it i like that it depends it depends depends on what if you like the highly wow majority says no except at my big age wow so I cannot say you are you are the you are the honey in my in my chocolate yeah yeah the sugar without you my life is meaningless I can't say that <laughs> Unless we are already dating okay podcast listeners take notes uh drop your drop your puns That's rhyming that's not even lines but it's still in the same category just turn water into wine. I want you to be mine. Amazing. You don't turn wrapper. Anyways, so I've learned, I will not do such. I would not disgrace. <laughs> I would not disgrace you people. Thank you for the education. <laughs> but the point is, you look at the sun and it's radiant. It's bright, it's shine. You have to use sunglasses. You don't do the same when you're looking at a tree or a human being, unless it's like, oh, wow, you see your glow. What kind of glow? boy take good notes take good notes what kind of glow is this (laughs) i'll do that maybe i'll get sunglasses one day and i'll be walking i'll say wow i had to put on my sunglasses because this glow (laughs) they'll run away anyways um but the glory of the celestial is one the glory of the terrestrial (laughs) the glory of the terrestrial is one it says there's one glory of the sun there's another glory of the moon and again, by glory, he's just talking about the radiance, the beauty that when you look at it, what, what, what's literally it's doxa, right? The, what, what makes it worthy of praise? What is praiseworthy about a certain thing, right? It's kind of like when they say, oh, the glory of the young man is its strength. The glory of the old, it's his wisdom. Unfortunately, in today's world, that is not necessarily the case. Young men might not be strong and old men are no longer wise. Sorry, some old men might not be wise. May God give us all wisdom and strength. (laughs) Anyways, um, it says one star differs from another star in glory. So you look at the the stars. Let's say you're going with your partner, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever. Like, oh wow, that star is so bright. This one is not as bright. This one shines like, oh, that is you. You You're the star in my life. Calm down. But, uh, (laughs) um. am i teasing why am i teasing it's because of paul it's because of paul um but uh you look at the stars right and then you see some stars are brighter than others and that's what he's saying like different uh different bodies have different radiances different glories right it says so also it is in the resurrection of the dead that the body is sown in 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 corruption and it is raised in incorruption and so the body that's the resurrected body will differ that's all he was trying to say all the shallay is to simply let you know that there are different kinds of bodies there are different kinds of glories and the glory of the resurrected body is vastly different then it will no longer be lying to be true like oh wow what a glow when you see the res- you are glowing. Say so, yes. I've been raised from the dead. All right. It says uh, it is sown in corruption, and it is raised in incorruption. By corruption is talking about subject to disease and death. Our current bodies will decay. Our current bodies can can be riddled with sickness. Our current bodies is they're weak, right? But not so in the resurrected body. It says it's sown in dishonor. There's nothing uh, you look at a human body or you look at it when it's dead. I mean, look at no matter who you are, the Queen of England just passed away. And yes, the ceremony is beautiful. Yes, the coffin will probably be worth more than your entire education from the day you were born till now. Yes, uh, the jewelry she might be buried with, the clothing it will be it will be like wow how can you do but at the end of the day she is just a dead body it doesn't matter who you were what you achieved last last as you go six feet under you are just a dead body the maggots that would come on you will not say "Ah, it's the queen oh "Ah, your highness and proceed to start to eat her (laughs) they will not do that they would not have any. The plants that will grow. Okay. She was probably not buried underground. I don't know where she was buried. But uh, you get the point. At the end of the day, say royal macros. <laughs> At the end of the day, um, in death, there's nothing honorable about a dead body. At the end of the day, we all human. It says like, from dust you were made, from dust you would return. It says, nevertheless, it is raised in glory. It says it is stone in weakness. Again, there's nothing strong about a dead person. You can't move. You can't do it. You are dead. Rather, it is raised up in power. And so he's just using that analogy that as you saw it, yes, it's dishonorable. Yet it's it's dead. Yet it's there's nothing, nothing well, unless you are in necro you are you have necrophilia and you have that's a mental issue by the way in case you are still wondering unless you are sleeping you like sleeping beauty kind of vibes that's the same vibe you like to see a dead person say ah so fine (laughs) unless you have that kind of issue there's nothing right nothing honorable nothing strong nothing about a dead person and it says it is sown a natural body just to imagine Prince Charming, a whole speck. You entered somewhere. You saw a woman laying dead or unconscious on a bed. And the first thing that came to your mind is this person is so fine. I will not forgive myself if I leave here without a kiss. <laughs> you are sick. <laughs> you a to And then you, you wake up. Someone kissed you. When you were dead, I said, wow. <laughs> this is the man I would spend the rest unconscious. I don't know if she was breathing. I think she laid there as, okay, she was in a deep sleep. Okay, no wala. She was in it, <laughs> no consent, nothing. So this, imagine you wake up, I say, "You, how did you wake me up? I kissed you while you were sleeping. Say, <laughs> so, are you sick? I've not brushed my teeth. For how God knows how many years, I've not showered, have not, <laughs> and you, is it was a peck, so they can peck you in your sleep. No walla, no walla. <laughs> ah, anyways, I don't know. In my own story, was a kiss, so he kissed her. <laughs> but anyways, back to resurrected bodies save the let her. Be? yes let her be dead forever let her be dead forever <laughs> it says it is soon it is soon a natural body it is raised a spiritual body there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body again some people read this and they're like oh does that mean in the resurrection we are no longer body, soul, and spirit. I love the fact that it says it's a spiritual body, it's still body, it's not going to be non-material, it's not, it's not a sense in which we'll just be floating in space. Woo, Caspar, the friendly resurrected spirit of God or spirit of Christ or Christian, the resurrected Christian. Uh no, it's just that one is material, physical. The other was made from the spirit, from the spirit. And a very easy way to know that is to see Jesus in the resurrection, right? Jesus in the resurrection, he could literally ascend to the father. He could dwell in both the physical and the spiritual. Jesus in the resurrection can literally just appear while people are eating. And still, that's already giving Mount Zion vibes. But he still says, oh, give me some bread and fish. I like what I'm smelling. As the resurrected Christ, so this is this is a body that is born of the Spirit, a body suited to life in the Spirit. That's what it means, right? See, we have appearing and disappearing power. It says, and so it is written: the first man, Adam, became a living being. Quoting Genesis, right? Genesis two verse seven: that God formed man of the dust of the ground he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being and so the first adam was literally formed from the earth and the spirit of god was put into it and it came alive it says but the second adam became a life-giving spirit a life-giving spirit such that the body we're going to, to 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 dwell in the body that we're going to come alive in will not be like Adam that was made from mud and breathed into. No, it would be from the spirit of Christ itself. It would be from the spirit of Christ itself. Like Adam, it was living souls inhabiting mortal physical bodies. Just like your father and your father's father and your father's mother and so on. But like Jesus, will be clothed with spiritual bodies to bear the image of God. Right? It says the spiritual is not the first, but the natural, and afterwards the spiritual. So there's the sowing of the natural and the reaping of the spiritual. Again, he's just saying the same thing to, to hammer that point home, that in the resurrection will be very different. It says the first man was from the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. If you remember our teachings on Hebrews, our teachings in Ephesians, Heaven is not that place in the sky. Heaven is the place, is the spirit, is the place of the spirits, right? It's the spiritual realm where God reigns supreme. The second man is the Lord from heaven, as the first man was of dust, so also are those who are made of dust, and as the second man is heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. He's just letting you know that. <laughs> that's ephesians Abhi. yeah i remember that teaching people were spread. Huh? heaven maybe i'll do another teaching on heaven one day um but um what was i saying uh yes just like adam we're physical if you like jim from today till jesus comes you are still flesh and bones you will decay when you die but after you get raised from the dead you're like christ You're like Christ. Does verse 46 talk about the first man or the second? Both. It says the spiritual is not the first. Meaning in terms of order, the natural was first, right? So we are natural now and afterwards the spiritual. So we are sown as natural men and afterwards. So it's talking about progression. It's from the natural to the spiritual. Same thing even in Adam and Christ, right? Adam is called the first man. And Jesus is called the last Adam, right? So in order, it's first Adam, then Christ. First Adam, then Christ. In death, it's first the natural, then the spiritual. Good question. So that's what he's talking about. Um, and it's saying it that as we have borne the image of the man from dust, that's the image of the first Adam, so also we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. We shall bear the image of the heavenly man. And it's amazing to think and I I, when we talk about things like this, I like I like uh, there's something we talk about when we teach like end times and resurrection and all of that. To be fair, the Bible does not necessarily say a lot about what life after the grave looks like, again, because that's not its focus. But there are little things that it does say that we can at least hold on to. And yes, you can have questions that oh in the new in the new creation in the new body will i need to work out i pray to god that answer is no but i i don't know what that answer is in the new body will i still be able to eat barbecue ribs god please will i be able to eat shrimp god will i be able to eat bread (laughs) i don't know the answer to the question the bible does not say right we do have a sense in which we can assume is it, would there be waffles in heaven? That's so cute. Um, we do have an idea that it's a no fit fan. <laughs> so you say, God, will I carry my belly into the new Jerusalem? This stomach that has followed me all my life, will it follow me into the resurrection? I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't give you a better answer than that. <laughs> um. Or his gown gown will be wearing in heaven. We don't know, right? We do know that Jesus was able to interact with both the physical and the spiritual. We know that Jesus was able to eat. We know that Jesus was able to sit down. He was able to take a walk. He was able to vanish and stay in the spirit, whatever that looks like now. But as pertaining the new heaven and the new earth, as pertaining the new life we shall live, there's not much we have to go we only know what first john two says three verse two it says it has not yet been revealed first john three verse two what we shall be we don't know anyone that's trying we don't know that's the answer we don't know will i be surfing in heaven will i play games Will there be technology Will there be internet we don't know we don't know or, not in heaven in the new earth we don't know in god's new creation what will we so I don't hold the view that we'll just be singing, holy, holy, holy. (laughs) Everyone holding hands and just dancing around the throne for eternity. I don't necessarily think so. In fact, I don't think so at all. (laughs) Don't worry, your resurrected body will be able to sing. I believe so. But things like that, would there be talents? Would there be things that some people can do well and others maybe not? What will it be like? He says, we do not know what do we shall know it says we know that when he is revealed we will be like him but we will see him as he is whatever jesus looks like on the last day that's exactly what we would be we have that <laughs> <laughs> <of my> <laughs> <And a> You <YouTube. laughs> we don't know but we know <laughs> as in time you know Pierre, Theophilus is singing for God in heaven. We say, give me mic. Give me mic. Out of my belly. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know. But we know that once we see him, we'll become as he is. We'll see him as he is. And so, like I said, the Bible focuses on how humanity lost an opportunity to dwell with God forever and how God. and how God has led us back into that original plan which is what humans male and female right being the image of God with eternal life living with him forever spreading his goodness to all of creation that is what we know what that would look like we don't know and so what does that mean it means that do not really Spend so much of your Bibles. You, it could be a fun thought experiment. who ah, would the whole heaven be like? Will I need to buy clothes? Would there be capitalism in heaven? Would there be adulting in heaven? Oh God. <laughs> I cannot do it again. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. But we know that we'll be just as it is. And I know you don't want to write papers in heaven. You do not want... To do phd in heaven i pray to god on your behalf you will not have to do that <laughs> oh my god he says i'll see my koreans live and direct I, I would there be languages i don't know would there be different races possibly i don't know we don't know <laughs> that's the answer we don't know right? we don't know it's very possible because i think like races and all that it's a beautiful thing but we, Okay, what is that we don't know all right so let's go on yes <laughs> oh my goodness this chat where are we it says as we've born the image of the man of the dust we will bear the image of the heavenly man and then he goes on it says now this i say flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god nor does corruption inherit in corruption and it's the same thing he's saying that in the world to come this physical body cannot cut it in the world to come a world where we are to experience the life of God for all eternity we cannot corruption cannot inherit incorruption. we can't live in a world without corruption with this body it can't happen it can't happen it's the same way right going back to the analogy of different you can't live in the sea Unless you are a mermaid, (laughs) unless you are a yemoja, you can't live in the sea. Your body was not made to breathe in water and breathe out and take and extract oxygen from the ocean. That's not you. You are not made to live in the air. You can't fly. You are not made to to hang out in space and shine unless your boyfriend says you are. (laughs) Um, We're not made that way. So, there's already an idea that everybody, and I don't mean everybody as one word, every space body was created to suit the environment in which it's to dwell. And so, the same way, if there is an environment, <laughs> please go ahead and exercise faith on that belief. It's not me, that said it. <laughs> but <laughs> if If there is a world where God is created, if there is a world that God intends to be free from sin, free from death, then this body cannot dwell there. This body cannot dwell there. This body cannot dwell there. And that's why it says, flesh and blood, meaning mortality, cannot inherit the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is eternal. The kingdom of God is eternal. Flesh and blood will die. And it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. Let me do pop quiz. What is a mystery? I've taught I've taught this word so many times, I don't need to explain it. But for the sake of newcomers, what is a mystery? What is a mystery? Put it in the chat to unmute yourself. What is a mystery? Something concealed. Thank you something concealed it's a mystery simply something that was otherwise not known or not readily known it's literally the word "mysterion," and it's from the word to close your mouth to be silent to be silent it's there it's not something that is hard to understand so when you say ah let me show you it's not something that is hard to understand it's something that was not readily known but that through the work of christ it is clear it's made evident for all to see and that's what paul is about to say what is something that was not readily known before that because of jesus's death and resurrection has been made clear for everyone to see it is this we shall not all sleep we shall not all die but we shall be changed glory to god it says in a moment in the twinkling. i just want to start jumping around and just I will be, I will fly eh, when it just comes eh. <laughs> but in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed we shall be changed and Paul is saying that not everyone will will die first. Some people, while they are still alive, as soon as Christ is revealed to the world, right there and then they change. They don't even experience death. They just just turn around. <laughs> New body who <ooh>, this. <laughs> and they just go to meet him in the sky. Amazing stuff. Again, at this point, we're back in like fairy tale territory, like, really? Is it? i remove you from this group i remember as a kid I was like god just wait till my maybe after one month of marriage then i will be changed just just wait now if god you want to come during this teaching who am i lord to get in your way please come please come lord <laughs> um but yes what was i saying i know you have distracted me is that good with, with honeymoon of all things honeymoon <laughs> i'm just kidding no don't i'm just kidding i'm just joking <laughs> anyways um i'm actually lost yes some people will not experience death once christ returns we shall be changed it says in a moment in the twinkling of an eye the dead will be raised incorruptible we shall be changed it says for this corruptible must put on incorruption. Our bodies need to change if we are to dwell with God forever, and mortal must put on immortality. It says, When this corruptible has put on in corruption, and mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written: Glory to God. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Remember, I think two teachings ago, we said it that what God is literally doing is that through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, he has made a statement to every kingdom opposed to God. I could talk at length about this, but today is not the teaching. But he's making a statement that to the devil, to, to the kingdoms of darkness, to everything, that, oh, You all thought that you have ruined creation. You all thought that you've you've gotten in the way of my plans. But I am victorious. In the resurrection of Jesus, God started a work in which he's bringing everything under Christ. And like we said, Christ will hand over the kingdom to the Father. We read that time that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. That through the resurrection of Jesus, he's made it possible... For a world where death no longer reigns supreme, where people no longer live their lives fa- um, afraid of sickness, afraid of death, afraid of loss. It's incredible. It sounds like a Disney movie, but it is true. This is why Paul says we are foolish. This is why Paul, or we can be considered foolish by men. This is why Paul says if all of this is not true, then we are of all men most miserable because. While everyone else was busy learning that the tooth fairy was not real and the Easter bunny was not real and Santa Claus was not real. We, we grew up 80 years old into the grave saying we would rise again. Saying if that is not true, then you have wasted your time. For glory to God, it's true. It is true. It is true. Once Jesus returns, we will be changed it's not, it's not Indian movies, not Bollywood, it's not Nollywood, it's not Hollywood. We will be changed. The dead will rise again and will rise with, with incorruptible bodies. Anyone who believes in the gospel who is still on the earth will be changed. And at that day, that scene will come to pass. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah oh death where is your sting oh hades where is your victory you thought we would just die and I, no there's more to life we won exactly it says the enemy comes to steal to kill this is what i have come to give you life and that even more abundantly even more abundantly on that day you would look at death in the face and say oh. <laughs> but there she, <laughs> it didn't reach me we've won we've won, hallelujah 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 Paul is quoting from Isaiah 25 verse 8, paraphrasing but it's the same idea, Isaiah 25 verse 8, it says let's start from verse 26 I'll, we could read the entire chapter. it's beautiful, it's Maybe we should just read the entire chapter. I love it. I love it so much. Let's just read it. It says, Oh Lord, you are my God. I will praise your name, for you've done wonderful things. The Old Testament is beautiful, guys. Honestly, if you learn to appreciate it for what it's worth, it says, Your counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. For you've made a city a ruin, a fortified city a ruin, a place of foreigners to be a city no more. It will never be rebuilt talking about how enemy nations again you come into the new testament and you realize we wrestle not against flesh and blood enemy so this is talking about the kingdoms of darkness at least from a christian perspective anyways it says therefore the strong people will glorify you the city of terrible nations will fear you for you have been a strength to the poor a strength to the needy in his distress a refuge from the storm a shade from the heat for the blast of the terrible worms is a storm against the wall. You would reduce the noise of aliens, foreigners. <laughs> I could say, oh, the, aliens. the aliens in the Bible. Oh my God. Foreigners. <laughs> as heat in a dry place. I'm in 25 verse five, but we're going to 25 verse eight. As heat in a dry place, as heat in a shadow of cloud, the song of the terrible ones will be diminished. And in this mountain, The Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the leaves, of fat things full of marrow, well refined wines on the leaves. Verse 27, he would destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all the people and the veil that is spread over all the nations. Verse 8, he would swallow up death forever and the lord god will wipe away tears from all faces the rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth for the lord has spoken and in that day it will be said behold this is our god just think about that day this is our god behold look this is our god we have waited for him and he will save us so in this sense he has saved us he says this is the Lord we have waited for him we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation glory to God this is our Lord We have waited for him. that That is the hope of salvation. That is what we wake up every day, keeping in the front of our minds. This is our Lord and we have waited for him. Everything, sickness, injustice, pain, all with one appearance, wiped away. Wiped away. This is our Lord and we have waited for him. Hallelujah hallelujah it's amazing it's 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 amazing honestly it's like ah, it's beautiful it is oh death where's your sting oh hades where is your victory so for all the people that have died in christ oh you thought you beheaded paul oh death where's your sting oh you lost a, a believing friend oh death where is your sting oh you're like what is the point of life am i not going to die oh death where is your sting it is the sting of death is sin meaning that death is how death is communicated is through sin how 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 death affects its purpose what causes death pretty much is sin sin is the cause of death and it says the strength of sin is the law, we've talked about it a bit in Galatians, we're going to dwell extensively on it in Romans 5, 6, 7 and 8 the strength of sin is the law, what he's simply trying to say so when it says oh death where is your sin and sting it's saying, you're literally saying where is sin, there's no more sin I have no need to be afraid of death and even now, there's a sense in which I, I don't want—I don't want us to lose that sense in which, even now, we can rejoice in this, that we've been—it's—it's, what it's, the audience call it, the already not yet. It's already happened, but it's not yet happened at the same time. In which we have already been victorious over sin. Yes, because we live in this meat bucket, as some people say, or this meat bag we are conscious every day we're reminded of our weaknesses we're reminded of the fact that we're in a struggle in this world but it's not a struggle that it's a struggle we've already won don't think of it as ah this body and and that's why paul would say who deliver me from this from this body of this is thanks be to god thanks be to god thanks be to god so when he says the sting of death is sin he's simply saying that the reason that we are afraid of death or the reason why death is such a big deal is because we have sinned. It is the person who in the face of a holy God cannot stand that would be afraid of death and judgment. But because of God, that fear is taken away. We will, We are looking forward to think about it. You are looking forward to standing before God, most holy most righteous, most just. And you're like, God is my father. <laughs> you don't know what that statement means. It says the sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. Meaning what? That through the revelation of God's standards, Romans 3, 23, for we have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Through the law, we have an idea of the kind of people God wants us to be. And through that same law, again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Like Paul would say in Romans, he says sin, being sin, took what was good and made it sinful. The law was simply, ideally, it should be a revelation. Oh, this is how I want you to act. But because as humans, fallen, separated from God, given to our own desires and the influence of the devil, we constantly rebelled against the law against God's standards what does that leave us with with guilt with fear just like Adam we become a case where God is walking and says Adam Adam where are you and like I heard your voice so I hid that is how many people even people that claim to not be Christians people that it's a case of fear where they do not want to confront their imperfections if there really is a god i am accountable to then i'm in trouble because i have lied where i should not i have lost it where i should not i have stolen probably where i should not i've been dishonest where i shouldn't have been i look at myself and i see many many areas where i fall short and it's because i know what the expectation is whether through the revealed law or through my conscience it bothers me It bothers me that, oh, wow, am I really going to stand before God and give account of every thought, every word, every action? I don't want this. I don't want this. Are you saying, oh, wow, I will be judged? Oh, wow, I'm scared. The sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin. But like Paul says in verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory over death, over sin, and over the law through our Lord Jesus. Through our Lord Jesus, we have victory. This is what you should wake up to every morning. I have victory over sin. I'm not afraid of death. Why? Why? Because I know I have already won. I'm not afraid of sickness. I'm not afraid of of whatever this world really has to throw at me. Why? Thanks be to God. I have the victory. I have the victory. I have the victory. When we think I have overcome the world, this is what it means. This is what it means that I have overcome the fear of sin, the fear of death, and I am excited to live and spend eternity with Christ, free of judgment, free of condemnation. That's what it means to overcome the world. Amen. And he ends in verse 58. says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, because of all I've said, because you have the victory, because you will be changed, because you will inherit a kingdom without end, Because your bodies will be made glorious and incorruptible. Steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's a beautiful end to to the teaching on the resurrection. That if truly you believe that you will be changed. You believe that God will put an end to sin, to weakness, to sickness, to injustice, to death. If you truly believe you have the victory, how should you act now? Be steadfast. Don't let the things that this world will throw at you like, no, I have the victory. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Not only that, continually abound in doing the lord's work in advancing his kingdom in spreading this message like i said if there's a resurrection then your prayers for for unbelievers they are not in vain you putting yourself in a position where you are maybe ridiculed or where you are not as like because of the gospel it's not in vain you going out of your way to engage people To do things that you otherwise, remember when we talked about becoming all things to all men, right? Doing things that you probably otherwise would not have done just because you want to see people saved. Making decisions that you're like, this would have easily been the other way, um, an easier path out. And if there was no life after this, it really doesn't matter. I should just choose easy all the time. But not you. All the sacrifice, all the tears, all the labor, all the effort, all the work, it says, you know, it's not in vain. It's it's beautiful. It's not in vain. Say it like say it right now. Say, my labor in the Lord is not in vain. My labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not in vain. It's not in vain. Why? There is a resurrection to come. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Don't let it be that cliche thing you've been hearing since you were you were you were small. Je- Jesus is coming again. Therefore, my labor in the Lord is not in vain. Jesus is coming again. Therefore, I will be steadfast. Jesus is coming again. Therefore, I will be immovable. Jesus is coming again. Therefore, I will abide in the work of the lord much more jesus is coming again so i know my labor in the lord is not in vain amen and that's why to paul he's like can you say this are you okay How can you say there's no reserve? you are literally stripping everything everything christianity stands for rises and falls on the resurrection rises and falls on the resurrection so that is not a conversation you should even tolerate in your body and that's why it says I say this to your shame that there are people that don't have the knowledge of God how can you have a believing community and someone is saying they don't really think the resurrection ah so what are we what are we all doing we're just having a nice time no There is a a world to come. God is or God has proven himself victorious by raising Jesus from the dead. And we will, we will share that. We will share in that. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. It's maybe some of you after this, maybe spend some time praying on this, spend some time meditating, spend some time thanking God on the resurrection, thanking God on your lot, on the fact that your body will be changed, on the fact that this is not the end. such a, so, so beautiful. So beautiful. Amen. And with that, we bring First Corinthians 15 to a close. I'm tempted because I have time, but I don't think I would do it. We'll finish in our next teaching. <laughs> i I was like should i start chapter 16 what no i'll give you all the time i've been taking from you i will give you back today um any questions any
1: questions i have a question but i don't know if i should wait till romance to ask it because it has more to do with the um that's where is your sting
0: Please go ahead to ask it. We'll see okay. if we push it or not. Yeah.
1: So yeah, you said that like um when we come before God, like every thought, every action will be judged. Mm. And but but glory to God that we have victory in Christ. So my question is that like well, if 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 um Christ died and rose and he has given us eternal life, what does that every thought and every um action will be judged what does that what would that mean
0: good question so when i said that standing before god and being stripped bare right I'm, i was more describing the case of the man outside christ because for the one in christ and that's the whole point of like you rightly said and that's it's very integral to the gospel we talked about it in hebrews we will talk about it in Romans. What does it mean when you say Jesus bore my sins? That's what that's what it literally means. That by placing faith in Jesus, yes, if I stood before God, there's nothing to, like all have sinned. It says, but thanks be to God. If you remember when we read through, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, we went through Romans 23 to 28. I think that God is justified. has proven himself to be just by forgiving people in christ by forgiving people in christ or because jesus died god is no longer unjust for loving and for declaring unrighteous people righteous and so what literally happened because of jesus on that cross he bore the sins of the world and for anyone who chooses to place faith in him the judgment that you should have rightfully bore, or born grammar grammarians please correct me you should have rightfully born <laughs> you stand before god and jesus and god is like my son has taken this right so the price has been paid so i was just describing the state of a man who has to to to, to account for his sin and that's literally it's that literal statement that that um David reflects on in Romans 4 and says, Let me see, yes, blessed. This is David, Romans 4, verse 6. David describes the blessedness, the happiness of a man to whom God imputes righteousness, not because of anything he did. And he says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are, I love that word, covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin again we're going to look at it at length in Romans, but the idea is yes you would you would stand before god but jesus has stood in your place that's pretty much it um yeah what about the scriptures of our works being put through fire again remember context that was first corinthians 3 and that was talking specifically about ministry there's still another question that you could have asked that would be about our works works but First Corinthians three specifically had to do with ministry, and what what will be judged is motive, content, stuff like that, and that has to do with reward, right? It has to do with reward. When it says everyone's work will be tested through fire, it's talking about your labor for God, the things you've done, the, what did you preach? What did you teach? Why did you do the things you did? It will be tested without fire. And that's why, remember 1 Corinthians 3 verse 15. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet, so as through fire. Do you remember that? That we talked about that, yes, there will be no reward or there's nothing to show for your earthly labor. (laughs) what you will be saved because jesus has jesus has covered you um you could all right delight you have a question
1: oh sorry I, I didn't want to interrupt you
0: okay go ahead
1: um so i think my question is that so if you if you are in christ and then you willingly continue to sin that means you're no longer like if you if if you Came to Christ and then in Christ, you are willingly like still sinning. That means you're no longer like in Christ, right?
0: Good question. <laughs> Good question. Um, I'm trying to see how best, yeah, how best I can answer this quickly and refer you to teachings on that. Exactly. I think reading first the the in fact the entire first John is to answer this very question you've asked literally the entire book is to answer this question that what does it look like to be a believer who is born of god how do i how do i think about sin how do i think about conscious sin how do i think about continuous conscious sin I'll just give you a, help, um, a few helpful pointers and then I challenge you to listen to First John if you haven't already. Um, number one, number one is we're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, not of works lest any man should boast, right? We're saved because we believe that Jesus's works have covered for us. It's not our works that save us now in the mind of the biblical authors and it should be in our mind today a person who is really saved there are certain things that show for it one of which is a desire to live like christ a desire to live like christ so much so that how the bible um, advises us to deal with believers who consciously and continually make a habit of sinning. Two things. Number one, um, John explicitly says that he that is born of God does not sin. And he's unable to sin because the seed of God dwells in him. Let me see if I can find it verbatim uh first john 3 verse 9 whoever is born of god does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of god again if you listen to that teaching i'm not saying that when you like say ah, am i not born of god i just lied <laughs> maybe i'm not born of God. no <laughs> uh the nl team puts it very puts it very well and i i spent time explaining this so first john 3 would be a good place to camp in it says those who have been born of God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them so they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God so now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil anyone who does not live righteous and love other people does not belong to God it says it very clearly and that's why for instance in first Corinthians 5 the guy who was sleeping with his father's wife his stepmom Paul says cast that person hand him over to Satan, kick him out of your of your uh of your local assembly why because for that person to have been to know that what he's doing is wrong and he's bold and he's continuing in that action only goes to show that is he really saved and so like i explained in first corinthians 5 the practice of excommunication is twofold number one it's discipline but number two, it's a test, right? Discipline in the sense in which we don't want this in our community, but it's a test in which that might be the final thing we can even know to say, is this guy really with us or against us? If he's kicked out and realizes that, oh, wow, I need to be with believers, he would repent and come back and we would receive him, like Second Corinthians rightly says. But if he's like, eh, you kick me out, I don't care then you can be sure that that person is not a, not a part of you. What makes it tricky is that you can't look at the heart of a person and say, oh, this guy is saved. We don't know that. In fact, we're not encouraged to make such, such a assumptions or judgments, but we can judge ourselves by our actions. And so the answer to your question is that a person who is truly saved, at least in the eyes of the biblical authors, cannot consciously, continuously live a life of sin they might struggle with sin in the case of addictions and whatnot they can walk in the flesh at times maybe due to poor prayer life poor devotion poor discipleship not hanging out with believers whatever but their conscience they cannot live a life in which they are um, consciously rebelling against the will of God like John said they are not saved that kind of person more often than not or most definitively at least if i should use biblical terms isn't saved so if your question is the person in christ if he messes up if he sins does that mean when he stands before god he's going to go to hell again i've taught you guys for almost two years now i really unless this is your first teaching anything i say about this matter should not be surprising no that person is still saved first john 2 verse 1 my children i'm writing to you so that you will not sin but if you if anyone sins so john realizes that there is a possibility for a believer and that's when i was teaching on first john 3 i said it that unless john is bipolar or schizophrenic he cannot say what he said in first john 2 verse 1 and then say in the next chapter that a believer cannot sin because he literally just said if anyone sins we have an advocate who pleads our case before the father is jesus christ the one who is truly righteous and so what john wants the believer to know when they sin is that they have an advocate you remind yourself of course like i said if you're truly saved you will be aware that what you've done is wrong and so you pick yourself up and you say god i'm sorry for what i did if that's fine right i should not have lied i should not have stolen i should not have said what i said i should not have meditated on what i meditated on but i thank you because it is for this very reason that Jesus came. I thank you because I have an advocate that pleads my case. And then you go on (laughs) as a righteous man. That's why David says, blessed is the man to whom God will not impute sins. Not because the person did not sin. Not because after the person said yes to Jesus, the person did not even sin. But because Jesus constantly stands there by virtue of his sacrifice, as an atoning cover as an atoning cover so think about this for instance let me i'll say this and then we'll probably wrap it up in uh in the old testament or in the old covenant more specifically so you don't think genesis to malachi in the old covenant under the law or under the levitical priesthood right um when a person sins what happens what are they meant to do they're meant to offer a sin offering right They kill a lamb, sprinkle the blood, and what happens? They leave the temple as though they never sinned. Why? Because in their minds or through the system that God provided for them, their sins have been transferred onto that lamb, and that lamb has been killed. But that lamb has been slain. Let me use uh, worship language. (laughs) The lamb has been slain. And so my sins were transferred to that lamb, and all of a sudden that lamb is what died instead of me and so you can come i can let's say i lied i take the lamb to the temple kill the lamb do the sacrifice i leave there and all of a sudden it's just as though <laughs> just as though i never did anything in the first place of course does that now mean just like in the believer does that mean i say oh let me just do this after all i will take a lamb no that's not what he was there for and again listen to 1st John but that's not even where I'm going to think about that that by the offering of that sacrifice all of a sudden it's as though you never said oh the day of atonement the high priest goes into the the most holy place sprinkles blood on 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 the altar and the sins of Israel are covered all it really doesn't matter what they did where they were their sins are covered all of a sudden now think about what it means to say you have a high priest that continually atones for your sins. Do you like it's it's the equivalent of saying that under the yoke of there's someone that is constantly killing lamb every day. What does that mean? What does that mean if you sin? It means that as soon as you sin, just as in heaven, it's like I, I died for this, this silly boy, I died for him. I died for him. And all of a sudden, under the lens of justice, it's covered. It's covered. That's the point. Like, oh, wow. Are you saying? We've looked at James. I, uh, We've talked about this at length. So I'm not going to. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm not saying. All I'm saying is that consistently through scripture, we know that if a believer sins, his response is to remind himself that Jesus died to cover his sins. And then live to not do that again. Again, if it's truly saved or she's truly saved, that would be the appropriate response. And so the question of, oh, does that then mean they can live as they want? Does that mean they can continue sinning? John has said it. Anyone that does that is not saved. I hope that answers your question.
1: Yeah, it does. Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. Any other questions? We have five minutes. I'll probably close it. One more if there is. Again, if this is uh, if this is strange to you, I beg you, listen to First John. Um, it will it will bless you a lot, and listen to Hebrews specifically uh, from I'm trying to remember the chapters. I think from chapter eight, yes, from chapter eight till chapter chapter ten, those two. Hebrews ten. To, <laughs> the life are not starting Romans now let's be guided we're not starting romance most likely our first our next book we have one chapter left in corinthians and after that the drum roll we're going into first thessalonians i i think that's where we would go first thessalonians so yeah we're going to be in first thessalonians probably second thessalonians and then we'll get back to second corinthians yes we're going to you all should calm down. You, you've known that I don't take these things in any particular, necessarily particular order. But don't worry. We'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. Trust me. I would, on this journey that you have started, we would arrive safely. You can be sure. <laughs> we'll get to our destination. We've done second John, bookie. Shame on you. <laughs> I think we've done third John. Also. Have we done third John? I'm not sure. I will check my notes. All right, guys. <laughs> so let's pray um let's let's pray and then we call it a day heavenly father thank you so much for today thank you for your word thank you for first corinthians thank you for first corinthians 15 in particular thank you for our conversations wrapping up on the resurrection and lord we just bless your name thank you for your sacrifice on that cross thank you because indeed you changed everything the moment you sent your son to die and rise again and we thank you for the resurrection we thank you for bearing our sins in your son christ jesus and lord i pray for everyone here and everyone that would listen to this teaching that we live every day of our lives with that consciousness that indeed you are coming again to live every day of our lives with that consciousness that indeed death has been defeated. To live every day of our lives with that consciousness that our labor on this side of eternity is not in vain. I pray that we're able to live out the resurrection every day and spread that message to everyone around us. In Jesus' name, we have prayed amen 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 thank you so much everyone uh thanks for an amazing morning like Vicky said it was pure cruise Um, <laughs> uh, but reflect on the things we talked about uh pray on the things we talked about live out the resurrection every day and uh, i would see you not next week i would see you october the 8th right in the meantime don't forget to share don't forget to share with your friends don't forget to listen to teachings you've probably not listened to before let us share the benediction graciously prepared to us by ayo and (laughs) Bukì. and you're not serious ayo you are also not serious (laughs) i will share my screen and then we call it we call it a day all right feel free to unmute yourselves. One, two, go. I am
1: diligent. I am diligent. I am word. word. I am a teacher of the word. The word. the word is profitable for my growth.
0: By the word, I am correct, By the word, I am I am in the word. My, my spirit, spirit rejoices. glory to God. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Hey awesome all right guys uh i would see some of you next week i would see most of you and all of you by god's grace until this time have a great week bye